And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. The Buffalo Bills have won their fourth game of the young season. They defeat the Steelers soundly by a score of 38-3. to It was a game that really was never in doubt past the first five minutes, I would say. But uh, the Bills get their most lopsided victory of the season. Another blowout win to their resume, and they uh, showed that... Uh, they weren't taking the Steelers lightly, especially ahead of a, a big game next week. But we'll get into all of that and, and what we saw in this game. My name is Joe Biscaglia. Uh, our usual co-host, Matthew Fairburn, is taking the evening off. And so in his place is none other than the one and only TG, Tim Graham, friend of the Whee! pod, friend of the show, weeing in the background, Tim. What'd you make of this Let's thing? Let's get after this. I well, it was uh, it was a hell of a performance, and I don't think that you can um, give the Bills enough credit because there are all kinds of ways in which this could have gotten away, and you don't have to go back too far to find a game in which the Bills uh, were prone uh, to a big letdown. Jacksonville Jaguars last year, Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, the rookie quarterback, uh, and I think that the pedigree of the Steelers organization with Mike Tomlin as the head coach, the Rooney family, the whole thing, um, you would give the Steelers more of a fighting chance than you would the Jaguars last year. Uh, and I'm sure that that was something that was brought up during the course of the week about not taking an opponent too lightly, show them respect uh, and take things seriously. Uh, the Steelers have the reputation around the NFL as having perhaps the best personnel department. And there's a reason for that. And so you'd have to think that even with a rebuild, even with their injuries, no TJ Watt uh, going with a, a rookie quarterback with his first start happens to be on the road, uh, you know, all these types of things, you still had to factor the Steelers would be uh, a competitive opponent. And I think that the Bills had a lot to say about squeezing that out of the Steelers early. I don't think that it was in total incompetence by the Steelers. I think it was the Bills were that good, that dominant, that uh, focused, uh, that there was not going to be a repeat performance of what we saw in Jacksonville. And everybody came to play, regardless of whether you were the second or third man on the depth chart on the opening day roster, um, whether or not you were playing um, you know, your first uh, – your first important game at home, you know, all the different things, uh, whether or not you've ever scored a touchdown in the NFL before, whether or not you've ever had an interception in the NFL before. A lot of these young players did major things for the first time in their careers today against the Steelers. Yeah, the, the parallels with this game this year 
and the Texans game last year are, I mean, it's pretty noteworthy. The Bills did a lot of the same stuff. They they came in with like this healthy respect for the opponent. It was almost damn near almost the same week. Uh, last year was week four against the Texans. This year it's week five against the Steelers. And the Bills, you know, maybe they rested some of their usual guys. They did with Taron Johnson and Jordan Poyer. They just gave them the week off last year. This, this week, Tremaine Edmonds, Dawson Knox, Jordan Poyer, and even with all of these backups in the lineup, like just running rampant all over the place. You look at the back seven, there were backups last year and or not even in the NFL this, this past season. Like Jaquan Johnson, Tamar Hamlin, Dane Jackson, Kair Elam, Tyrell Dodson. Uh, the only two that were the steady of them was Matt Milano and Taron Johnson. So Terrell Dotson had a career day. He, he did. 11 tackles. He played great. A game high 11 tackles. He has a sack. Uh, uh, he was all over the place, and that's exactly what the Bills needed. They didn't need him to do anything fancy. Now, his sack wasn't even like a blitz or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, Kenny Pickett ran out of bounds three yards behind the line of scrimmage, and, and Dodson was there for the tackle uh, to get credit for it. But um, he had a ton of tackles early. Um no mistakes, no glaring mistakes uh, made by these young guys. Now, Taiwan Jones made a mistake on the very first play of the game in which he almost gets caught for a safety, and you could tell he was juggling that uh, ball near the goal line, and you, you, there for a split second you could almost read his mind of, am I supposed to take the, am I supposed to down it? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> right. And by then it's too late, and he's tackled at the two-yard line. And then, of course, and I say, of course, like, you know, you could chalk it up. Mm-hmm. You, you couldn't really chalk it up. But when it happens, you're actually like, well, of course, Josh Allen did that. 98 yards to Gabriel Davis uh, for a touchdown in which the Bills never looked back. And that was enough, really. Uh, the Steelers score only three points. That 98-yard touchdown three plays into the game uh, was enough to beat the Steelers today. Totally demoralized them, and, uh, and that was that. Well, it was the 98-yarder, and then... Right after it was the kickoff return that was fumbled, and the Bills recover it. Like they could have started this game very easily, fourteen to nothing, but they did allow the Steelers to hang in a little bit. That's why I'm saying the first five minutes of the right. game was the only time we were like, "Oh, are there the Steelers- was a missed field goal? Right. The wind was bad, right. and you're thinking, oh, geez, did they just let the Steelers into this game by missing the field goal?' Yeah. And man, it was yeah, it, it was that didn't last. Yeah, long. all for naught. The um, the impressive ability of how many guys stepped in to a significant role today was I think probably a a great thing to hang your hat on if you are Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier, Ken Dorsey, the the development of these people of these players on the back half of your roster and it's not even just a this year thing. Like some of them were rookies, Shakir, uh James Cook got a touchdown, uh Elam is of course a rookie. But a lot of these guys have been in the system for a long time now. Um, I mean, Isaiah Hodgins, he didn't really have like a huge game, but he still mixed in for, I think, like 12 or 13 snaps. Uh, Tyrell Dodson, who you talked about, it, it was just very fitting for them to be able to come through with this overwhelming victory against a, a franchise that has this reputation of being just one of the best in the NFL year in and year out. And... Make no mistake, this Steelers team, if you put some different uh, laundry on them, like you're like, oh my God, that's one of the worst teams in the NFL right now. But because <laughs> right. it's the Steelers, right. you're, you're, you think, oh, they're going to be right in the game. But you know what? The Steelers do have a really good defensive line. And 
but the Bills just handled everything they could have done. They were banged up in the secondary, so the Bills took advantage of them there. Um, the Steelers' offensive line is horrible, like one of the worst in the league. And you saw how the Bills dominated the line of scrimmage and allowing Najee Harris, like I think the, the longest run he had today was six, I believe. Yeah, 11 carries for 20 yards. It's just you take away a run by Kenny Pickett, a 10 yard scramble, and the Steelers running backs ran 16 times for 44 yards with a long of 12. Um, yeah, I mean, that was the one of the things that's a hallmark of a Steelers offense is just the ability to play that rough neck. You know, you talk about blue collar, all these things, you roll your eyes, but that's kind of a Steeler mentality. That's the way that they're built. That's the way the ownership wants them. It's the way that they operate, especially when you have a rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Steelers perfected the rookie quarterback coming in and still winning when, when Ben Roethlisberger uh, broke in and, and went on uh, and did great things uh, that very season as a rookie. So <laughs> clearly, Kenny Pickett, not in the same uh, circumstance as Ben Roethlisberger uh, wow. with a Hall of Fame running back and 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 defensive stars all over the place. Um, yeah, the Steelers just, uh, they didn't have any answers in any facet of the game today. It was it was a thorough beatdown. It was, as Mike Tomlin put it after the game, a smashing. Like, like they, they came through and smashed them right from the get-go to the end. And, you know, I, I know somewhere uh, our buddy... Matt Fairburn is smiling the fact that the under held on this week for dear life. I mean, it, they were up, what, 28-3 to or 31-3 heading into halftime, and somehow the under still hits in the game. The over-under, I think, was 47 coming in. And they but, were slinging it into the fourth quarter. They were. They were. Which, and barely, I mean, Quentin Morris's uh, fumble in the, t- in the end zone. That's... Boswell misses two, at least two. How many did he miss? Did he miss three? Yeah, yeah. two. Boswell two. missed two um, when, you know, the Steelers were playing scared and they were just kicking field goals, even though they, I guess that's just one way to try to get uh, some pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get some points here as opposed to try to win the game because it was clear who the better team was on the field today. And I think Mike Tomlin was tipping his cap to Sean McDermott way too much today. If I'm a Steelers fan, I think I'd, I wouldn't be too happy with Mike Tomlin's, uh, um, you know, shrinking violet uh, ways. Uh, you know, you have your, your rookie quarterback out there, put him in some situations, let him go for it on fourth and long. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what? Uh, mm-hmm. This is a learning experience. Uh, you don't need Chris Boswell to get, you know, three field goals uh, unless you have him on your fantasy team. Um, so maybe he does. <laughs> Tomlin, we don't, he might play fantasy. We don't know, but I will say, and, and we're, we're really ragging on the Steelers. Uh, we've, we've given them some respect, but I will say, and it's the thing that you have to throw out there. This is an NFL team with NFL-ish players. Um, they get paid, uh, and this uh, and the Steelers have won a game. I mean, mm-hmm. this isn't, uh, you know, this isn't uh, any, you, this was not the team that was expected to be the worst in the NFL. So for the Bills to do what they did, uh, they were favored by 14 and slammed them by 35, and it could have been worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could have beaten them by 40 easy. They could have beaten them by 50, probably. Um, but it was uh, Sean McDermott showed some mercy uh, and took Josh Allen out of the game after one series in the fourth quarter. I think I think that part of it, McDermott, was just wanting to make sure that they came out um, firing in the second half, even though the game was well within gra- their grasp 
when they came out of halftime. I think for McDermott, it was important to uh, at least get the offense one series, make sure they're still sharp, mentally ready, because they have gone through, this is now their third blowout (laughs) of five games this season. And so making sure that you continue to have that edge is an incredibly important thing um, for for moving forward because there's going to be some times where, like, like we saw last week against the Ravens, you need to be mentally sharp all the way through it, and it's just just a, an exercise. So I think that part was important to McDermott. He even did it on, def- on defense, too. They didn't pull the defensive starters, I think, until late third, maybe fourth quarter. So they... Uh, they they knew that they didn't want to waltz into the second half and and treat it like the preseason. That was very important to them because I mean, if we're being honest here, they were playing a lot of, a lot of their backups already, um, and th- that's why it made this win right. so thoroughly they impressive. Have, they had a lot of people on the field on both sides of the ball who would normally be your second stringers. Mm-hmm. So get them the the reps. In, in, in a way, Joe, he is treating it like a preseason game in that let's let's make sure that our second stringers get these reps, these valuable reps, and like you say, are firing on all cylinders, focused, and getting quality reps as opposed to the third stringer or the guy we called up from the practice squad uh, who, in a perfect world, uh, isn't going to see the field again uh, mm-hmm. this year except for maybe on special teams. So let's make sure that uh, – uh, that our top backups are out there for as long as they can be and getting this valuable experience on Sunday afternoons as opposed to Thursday nights in the summer when it's 85 degrees and nobody's in the stands. Well, with all due respect to this game, I mean, Josh Allen was great. Gabe Davis was great. Um, basically, the entire offense, the entire team was was excellent. They were just they were just firing every which way. Let me point one thing out. Sure. As you mentioned, you know, you can look at the stats. Uh, and see, you know, obviously Bafo numbers all over the place. Josh Allen on his, well, let me double check. He had 31 dropbacks, uh, was hit once. He wasn't sacked at all. He was only hit once. Now, of course, he ran the ball a bunch and he took some shots there, but he was protected very well. Um, again, TJ Watts not on the field, but the Steelers do have talent up front. They do. I was really impressed yeah. by their defensive line on the film from the Jets game the, the week prior. It like, was almost safer some players. for McDermott to keep passing the ball in the third quarter than yeah. to hand the ball off and maybe get Singletary Moss or Cook banged up. Uh, the ball in Josh Allen's hand was was maybe the safest play to make. Yeah, uh, they. Yeah, the offensive line probably had their best showing of, uh, you know, I have to go back and watch it, but I think they probably had their their strongest showing yet because it seemed like Allen had time in the backfield. It didn't seem like he was running for his life uh, like he has a, a, on a few occasions. So, yeah, just a total, total team victory. So um, It was a walkthrough, practically. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about the Steelers are trying to give this to but in terms of how the game rolled out, it was yeah. so easy. Yeah. That it's almost like they had a, a like a soft bye week or a, uh, a, a yeah like a it was like a soft launch for Kansas City. They got their reps in, and I'm glad you brought up that name because, with all due respect to this win, them winning by 35, I don't think that's what people are really talking about tonight. I think it's it's already been flipped forward. 
about what is to come. Maybe and even before the game was over. I know. Right? And that's that's I keep going back to this Texans game last year because I remember that that show that that I did with with Matt Bovey after that and we didn't really talk about the Texans game in in the post game pod. We talked about what was coming up because I mean the stakes are there. Whatever happened to him? Matt Bovey? Yeah. Uh, he's, he's still kicking around. He's putzing around. If you're not on the uh if you're not on the Bills Beat podcast though, do you exist? <laughs> I'd like to think you do, but but hey, you never know. Could be the abyss. Poor um, Matt. <laughs> uh but the the Bills are entering a matchup with these Chiefs that you know, heading into the season, people thought that this was going to be a year where the Chiefs kind of took a step back because Tyreek Hill got traded. They're like, oh, they're just they're just gonna beef things back up and, and make another run after this. Nope, they're they're three and one again, and they uh, they're looking really good outside of a loss to Indianapolis, where the Colts really frustrated their offense for much of that game. I mean, they're just flinging it around. Uh, their running game is is better. Their offensive line looks great. It almost feels like. This is another huge spot. And again, it's in Kansas City. Again, it's it's uh, against the team that has ended their season. Uh, it's just... The, the NFL loves pairing these two teams together early on in the season just to get a gauge for one another. And we have seen the Bills play dominantly almost the entire season so far. There, has, there have been bits and pieces here, but... I think the Dolphins game is one that they should have won. They shot themselves in the foot way too many times throughout that game. The Ravens won. They they were able to put away a shoddy first half, and and they were excellent throughout the second half to pull away with that victory. So there is a compelling argument that this team should probably be undefeated this year, um, but they're not. And they're going up against a Chiefs team who could also claim the same thing. Should probably be undefeated, but they're not because they lost a frustrating one, as the Bills did to the Dolphins, to the Colts. So these two franchises... How did the Colts beat the Chiefs? That's It's, it's, it's wild to think it's about. It's a mystery. So, I mean, I guess not really thinking about this as a preview of sorts to the game, but it's kind of, it's, it's kind of important to just discuss what we saw today and how it kind of melds itself forward into Kansas City. So, I don't know. It we're both going to Kansas City. It's a huge game, probably their biggest remaining game on their on their schedule. I mean, you could make an argument for the Bengals or second Dolphins game, maybe the Packers, but the Packers lost to the Giants today. I just it, it just the Chiefs play it's, on it's Monday big, night against game. the Raiders. Yeah, that's true. So that's a, maybe a little bit of a help for the Bills, even though, like you said, they have to go to Arrowhead Stadium uh, again. Uh, but they won there last year um, during the regular season, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, they blew out. The 13 seconds thing is going to be a discussion this week. That's going to be hanging over the Bills' heads. They're going to have to try to shake that off or at least uh, not try to think about that too much. Um, are the Bills as good this year as they were last year? Oh, uh, they're better. Well, but you don't have Micah Hyde. That's true. Um, you know, there are some things. There are some things. Uh, there are some things uh, that the Chiefs probably would like to see. Uh, you don't have uh, Sorensen playing for the Chiefs anymore, uh, as, as juicy as he was to see in coverage. 
Um, no Tyreek Hill, like you say. And if we're if we're being honest about what the Chiefs were at the time when the Bills saw them, they were in a they were down. Uh, I think they were at that point two and two uh, heading into the game. If I'm not mistaken, they were you know giving up a bunch of yards. Uh, like you talked about, Daniel Sorensen was was a key starter for them. I remember talking with our Chiefs beat reporter, Nate Taylor, who does an awesome job. And those who have listened um, over the past couple of years, you've probably heard Nate come on the show. He's he's just excellent. So please go follow and read his stuff throughout the entire week uh, leading up to this Bills-Chiefs game and even past that too. He, I remember distinctly listening to him going, these are not the Chiefs from the playoffs, uh, from the playoffs in 2020 when they were just absolutely taking a, a blowtorch to everybody like they had some stuff going on of course Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes but they had some some stuff that they were going through at that point and the Bills I don't think were as quite as dominant um early on in the season as they have been this year so it's now I mean Monday night notwithstanding we don't know what the what the Chiefs are going to do against the Raiders I probably think they're going to win that game um could be wrong Probably going to be high scoring. The total on the game is like almost 52. So it's probably going to be high scoring. It's I'm expecting the Chiefs to pull out that win. And I think these these are two of the best teams in the league. Eagles are up there. But it's going to be such a showdown of seeing these two mammoth franchises who are playing at the top of their game early on in, in the NFL season and seeing who is alive to tell the tale afterwards. I mean, it's, I mean, with due respect to the rest of the season, I think it all goes downhill from next week. You have Jim Nance and Tony Romo for the second straight week uh, covering this game because it's considered a national game. And uh, I was, uh, we're doing this podcast from the press box uh, at Highmark Stadium right now where Joe and I both uh, covered Sunday's game. But uh, I have a friend uh, who likes to tell me what's being said on the broadcast. And I guess that there was a vignette where Jim Nance and Tony Romo were talking about uh, how good the Bills are and pretty much saying, you better, we're going to have to get used to coming to Orchard Park a lot <laughs> uh, because the team is that good. And they were saying how much they enjoy that because anytime they had the Bills in the past, they were the road team. But now the NFL is putting these marquee games uh, that draw the marquee broadcasters um, um in Orchard Park and, and in the in the crosshairs uh, of uh, the broadcast world. So, um, yeah, this is going to be must-see television. Four o'clock kick uh, next Sunday. Um, you know, we're going to see Pat Mahomes do the the fadeaway jumper, you know, touchdown pass like he did last week, mm-hmm. you know, all these different things. Josh Allen spinning and whirling around and hurtling people. The highlight packages are going to be insane. Uh, the hype is going to be there. Uh, and um, but, but again, you know, and I guess this is where it's um, – I have a smile on my face for Bills fans. Three years ago, uh, we're talking about this like, man, isn't that something that the Bills have come this far? Mm-hmm. We've gotten kind of used to this by yeah. now, right? Yeah. The Bills have been in these primetime games, uh, these blockbuster showdown matchups – um, for a few years now. Mm-hmm. And so you get used to it. And I think the players get used to it and they are more mentally prepared. They kind of take this as this is their life 
and this is what you have to do and these are the types of this is where you want to be is mm -hmm. in, uh, is in these critical high high pressure stressful situations on national tv with the world watching it's and they're pretty good at it I know. the bills are i mean I they, they handle these games pretty well it's taken a, some time for them to get to this point but now it's just it's old hat they it is a shock i, I remember one season in particular, when you went through and, and looked at the entire schedule, it was 1 o'clock every Sunday, except right. for the yeah. random Thursday game that they were forced to play. Right. <laughs> and they'd be the road team. Exactly. Exactly. There was just... There there has never been the intrigue that has that quite has been pushed on this Bills team, but they are used to it. And I think the big game isn't catching them by surprise anymore. Last year... They, I mean, there's been so many of these these big game possibilities, and they have really shown well almost every time. I, I think the ones that catch them off guard more than anything are like the sleepy one o'clocks. Now, um, I you alluded to the Jaguars game last year. That was that was a perfect example. Like I remember, they were struggling a little bit in the first half against uh, I think it was the Panthers or the Falcons late last year. That was even during you know, their, the Falcons, their big run. Josh Allen had a terrible game against the right. Falcons. Matt Ryan, who people were talking about being washed up, came into Orchard Park in a game in bad weather game, and that was one of the stats heading into the game is that Matt Ryan has played in these conditions once in his life because or he'd have to go back to Boston College because. The Falcons play in a dome, and they play in the NFC South, and he just never would play in these conditions. And he looked like the Matt Ryan that was the MVP uh, a few years earlier. And so, yeah, the Bills have had their share of clunkers. Um, and that was like one hesitation I had coming into today against the Steelers. Um, but I think that Sean McDermott is really good at calibrating these guys and using those quote-unquote teachable moments mm. uh, to talk about okay, guys, you're really good, and the Steelers, we look at them on film, and you're, you're educated football players, and you're looking at all kinds of things that we can exploit because this guy's too slow or this guy can't cover or they're hurt and they're down to their third stringer at this position. Well, don't take it lightly. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you come in aggressive and ready to kill and, um, and because X, Y, Z, you know, Jacksonville and whatever. Um, my personal favorite moment from that game was down the stretch when they were out. The Falcons were out of it at that point, and I think Matt Ryan uh, got the ball down to like the the one yard line or something and screamed something at Jordan Poyer. Took a uh, an I don't know what I think it, it was taunting. Yes, it was taunting, and then they moved him back, and they wound up getting nothing out of the drive. I remember what it was. <laughs> he thought he scored a touchdown, and he got flagged for taunting. And I actually felt awful for Matt Ryan because in a celebration. You can go over the line. Excess. Mm -hmm. It was he, he was flagged for excessive celebration, right? <laughs> so then they review it and find that he didn't cross the line, and so they put him at the one and then backed him up the fifteen yards, mm. and they end up not. You're right, getting nothing. So my thought was, wouldn't it be reasonable to say, okay, you didn't score the touchdown, therefore it's not excessive celebration. But they didn't. They mm -hmm. tacked it on, and so Matt Ryan goes from touchdown to nothing. I remember Poyer was laughing at him when, it was, he, when he was doing it. It was terrible. I mean, it, it was it was like it was comical. I don't yeah. know. Terrible isn't the right word, but it was comical yeah. that Matt Ryan, veteran uh, of so many NFL seasons, uh, class act, the whole thing, uh, the reputation of Matt Ryan, and he just uh, what a boneheaded thing. Yeah. So, what do we make of this? 
we, we've talked a lot about the, the enormity of the game. So how do we take what we saw today and learn something about what it might look like on Sunday in Kansas City? So I don't think... Late I, I Sunday can't, afternoon. I can't. I cannot. Uh, the, 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 this, this would be like... Uh, saying you know Alabama going up against Valdosta State uh, early in the season, and then how are they going to look against Georgia? Valdosta? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Pulled Valdosta yeah, out of so nowhere. I, uh, I don't think you can do that. Uh, the one thing that I just kind of extrapolate out of today is the injury aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, the, the Bills had the luxury of facing such an inferior opponent that they didn't have to put Tremaine Edmonds, Jordan Poyer, Dawson Knox on the field, Isaiah McKenzie, uh, anybody else who might have been uh, on the on the borderline of being able to play. And I don't know that any of those guys were necessarily. I, I mean, we're just saying this for the sake of conversation. Uh, but those guys did not have to play. Mm-hmm. And um, so you had reserves in those roles, the junior varsity guys, uh, come in and hold down the fort to give very important players an extra seven days to rest up. Yeah, I, I I get what you're saying there. Uh, they they only had one injury that wound up not coming back, but I think that was also partially due to the blowout. I guess we'll see in practice. Taron Johnson got injured at, at one point. Um, Taron Johnson was doing interviews in the locker room after oh, the was? game, okay. which is I, yeah, I talked to him. Uh, he was in good spirits. I didn't ask him about the injury per se, but mm-hmm. he you know he was in there. He wasn't in the getting treatment. He was in there as though nothing had happened. So, yeah. And Jordan Phillips came back in the game after suffering a hamstring injury. So that, yes. that would seem to indicate that those guys are good. I guess the, the, the Phillips part and the defensive line part, because this is going to be such a great showdown between these two teams. The Chiefs have one of the best offensive lines in the league, and they have really put so many resources to it draft picks or early draft picks um lots of free agent dollars to go get guys like joe tooney and and then they made a trade for orlando brown like that offensive line is legit but so is the bills defensive line and this week was the first time since the opener that the bills have had their entire stable of defensive linemen they the top four defensive tackles that they meant to keep, the top five defensive ends that they meant to keep. And really, they didn't even have all those nine guys for week one because Shaq Lawson wasn't active as a healthy scratch. Hey, is Shaq, are we sure Shaq Lawson's going to be active next week? That's true. Um, just a point to make, and it is a conversation. I don't know anything about this per se, but uh, A.J. Epinesa and Shaq Lawson were ejected late in the game. If you decided to tune out or go do something else or watch the, you know, maybe the 4 o'clock game started by then, I'm not sure. But you have Shaq Lawson and A.J. Epinesa ejected from the game. There'll be a report from the officials to the NFL. We don't know exactly why they're ejected. They don't necessarily say, mm-hmm. was there contact with an official? Was there something? What there's, who knows? But mm-hmm. do you have priors? Uh, does Shaq Lawson ha- somewhere have a history back when he was with the Dolphins or with the Jets? Was well, it? I don't think Lawson was ejected. I think they, they took Lawson because he was screaming at the other sideline. I think he was looking for a fight. Okay. Um, and so the Bills got, they, got him into the tunnel to avoid a Bobby Hart situation, I think. Um, 
they did that with like a minute to go left in the game. Epinesa was ejected for yeah, making right. contact with an official. Okay, so I'm looking here. So at, maybe it's Epinesa. Right, it is Epinesa. Yeah, you're right. Shaq Lawson did not get penalized on that. I, I'm sorry. I thought that because I was watching in the tunnel on a monitor with no audio, when I saw the official do the uh, gave, give the thumb, I thought both Epinesa and uh, Lawson were had been uh, ejected. But even still, you can still get suspended for a game without getting flagged for something for because sure. of conduct detrimental. Um, I mean, Bobby Hart, he he went and tried to punch somebody sure. <laughs> after after the game. Not not tried to. Well, he tried to punch a player and wound up making contact with someone else. And before you know it, he is out the very next week. The Bills wanted to avoid that situation with Shaq Lawson from even coming in. And Shaq Lawson was on the edge the entire game. Like, he was... He was chatting a lot of shit the, it, in, the entire game. It had been chippy, the, a player or two, yeah. before uh, the this all started. There was a brawl that took place on the Bills' sideline earlier mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tempers were flaring. Um, but to the point, I mean, this having that defensive line, whoever they have, uh, out of those nine guys, they're healthy. And that's the biggest part. So now you have a situation where you have an incredible offensive line that the Chiefs have. Uh, you know, one of the best defensive lines in the league right now for what the Bills are bringing to the table. They're getting pressure. They're stopping the run. Um, and these are two things that the Chiefs have been able to thwart through their first uh, through their first four games. I guess we'll see what happens on Monday night. But it's that matchup in itself, getting those, those two guys, Oliver and Phillips, healthy enough uh, to play in this game I actually thought Phillips might might wind up sitting in the game, but once they released Brandon Bryant from the roster, I'm like, okay, Phillips is good. But having Ed Oliver back, he's such an impact player for them, and get, giving them a good like. And this is another thing why it, it kind of felt like a preseason game, because it's a it's a ramp up to the to the big game, right. ramp up to the regular season. Next week's the season opener, and well, <laughs> I mean in that yeah in I, that metaphor, yeah, definitely, but. Ed Oliver didn't even play a ton of snaps in this game. He had, by my count, 27 out of 77, so 35%. Um, and Phillips had 20 out of 77 for 26%. A warm-up. It, so it was a good little ramp-up. They were starters, uh, finger quotes. Uh, well, Phillips was and Oliver was. And just, just to get them acclimated to the game, because Oliver was out for three games. Phillips was down for two games. You better be damn sure that they are not going to be playing 35 and 26% of snaps next week. They're going to be heavily involved uh, if they come through the game clean with injuries. But that grouping and that matchup is so important to how this game comes to pass because that was one of the biggest Bills hiccups, and it has been against the Chiefs for how long? Every time they've played them, they've they've had trouble getting there you know they were able to frustrate Mahomes in that uh, in that early season showdown last year a bit they also had some fortune in that game um, some tip passes that went their way and, and and things like that especially when I'm thinking of the Greg Rousseau play uh, down where the Chiefs right. are about to score and winds up tipping it up and and being able to you know flip the game in that way so having that defensive line playing as well as they are and having your top available, I honestly, that is that's the part of this game. Everyone's going to talk about Mahomes and Allen. I, these are the two things that these two franchises that have been rivals in the playoffs the last two years 
have invested in so heavily and we get to see them go fist to fist when they are at maximum capacity. A double fisting? I did not say that. <laughs> but yes, just head to head against against one another. It's going to be uh it's I'm really looking forward to that part of the matchup. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I know that this isn't the the uh, the matchup aspect you're talking about, but in regard to getting guys back yeah. from injuries and back in the swing of things, Gabriel Davis. I mean, he has a great game today. 
with the 98-yard touchdown on the third play of the game, of course. But you had to wonder how much his ankle injury was in his head. You know, he'd had a couple of drops. Mm -hmm. Uh, He wasn't playing uh, or producing like he had been. But here at at an important time when he's going into, as you say, what could be the biggest matchup or the biggest showdown left on the schedule Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of two heavyweights, um, what a benefit it is for the Bills to have Gabriel Davis feeling like he's invincible again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They, I, I, I wondered whether or not it would be a good idea to get him some, some rest today. They wound up being able to because they were blowing out the Steelers. So he, coming into the game, he had taken, in the games that he played, he had taken 97.5% of offensive snaps. Um, today, he wound up getting about 82.8 so you know got got a little bit of rest i had wondered whether or not um he would need the bye week to feel fully like himself but he showed that he was able to get over the top of the defense win that matchup he was playing confidently um i i went through the bill schedule and i'm like am i slighting anybody here like is there is there a team that i'm like "Eh, the packers might be the only one the Bengals, but everybody else like the patriots aren't the patriots anymore they shut out the Lions today. I think the if you're looking for, hey, which team could be the Jaguars? Either the Bears or the Lions are, are the ones because those are the two road games, holiday road games. Never know. Never know. The but, Bills uh, have done well on that Thanksgiving game, yeah. uh, Dallas and New Orleans. Um, yeah, I agree, though. Uh, and when I said the, the best remaining showdown, mm-hmm. yes, there are still some big ones. Green Bay, like you say. Um Minnesota is an attractive game to me. Um, the Vikings are so weird. <laughs> yeah, they are, but that's why I think it's an attractive game. You never know what you're going to get. NFC Chargers. Um, but They just it, continue to find ways to blow it and make it a close game in the end. But of the heavyweights, clearly Kansas City-Buffalo is the, is the, game, is the remaining game on the schedule uh, that is, uh, packs the most double-fisted punch. <laughs> Making a thing, huh? <laughs> yes, I'm uh, going to force it. Uh, <laughs> Pun intended. I know. I, I very much know. I've known you long <laughs> enough to know that that was, that was an intended pun. Um, so, yeah, the, the Bills and, and Chiefs surely going to be one to, uh, I mean, we're going to be talking about a lot. I'm almost, I don't know, the 13 seconds thing, it's going to be a huge talking point all week. I may try to go the entire week without mentioning it once. I'm, I'm I mean, really. We I'm, can talk about it here, but I'm yeah. talking about in my coverage. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm really sick of it. It's going to be all over the place. Yeah. If you want to read about it, you can see it. I don't know that I can come up with anything unique or original other than, hey, remember those 13 seconds? Um, it is very important to realize that it happened and to and to um, evolve from where you went wrong in in those moments. And I think. We have said a lot about about what has happened, and and it's not to say, oh, it's in the past, forget about it. No, not. I mean, realize that it was very much a thing. But I don't know. I just don't. I don't know how that will necessarily impacts what we're going to see in this coming Sunday because everything is just so much reset. Like, if the Bills would have come out slow this year. And there could have been like a residual effect about how they, you know, they were bounced from the playoffs dramatically. And it's, it just feels like, and they did this uh, um, in a way, that how they shaped their roster and all the moves that they made. They freshened it up. 
Like, it, there was such um, it almost felt, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Stale within the locker room with some of the, like, the big personalities that they had and, and the big contracts that they had. So they, they got a lot of those guys out of there, like the John Felicianos, the Cole Beasleys, um, Star Latulale, who everyone, I think almost every Bills fan hated vehemently um, for his contract. But like AJ Klein, does he count in that group? Sure, he was only around for a couple of years. Yeah, but he was still a big contract, and they they just freshened up so much. They bring in Von Miller, they bring in da- Daquan Jones. Um, they have an exciting rookie class. Roger Saffold. Roger Saffold. Like there's there's a legitimate shift in the identity and and how it's kind of sounding, even in the locker room when you go and talk to these guys. R.J. McKissick. JD, JD, or JD McKissick. I'm sorry, I'm thinking Rodney. RJ is JD's brother. I'm thinking of the former Buffalo News reporter, Rodney J McKissick. Uh, but you have, you have just this, just this reset from the off season, and I think that's helped carry over to where no one really gives a crap about 13 seconds inside there. They know where they went wrong, and they they've had to figure things out about how not to have it duplicate. But the other thing that they've done is they've um, they've upped their game on the defensive line. You know, special teams has a higher focus. Uh, I think they know what not to call on defense next time or, you know, to be very particular in those defined moments about what you want of your players. Or, you know, maybe don't rush four guys at Patrick Mahomes um, <laughs> down the stretch. Like, these are all things that you can you can learn from. So that's why I'm like, okay, the 13 second stuff, yeah, it's interesting, but I think there's a lot of fatigue from it, and I just, I don't know, I just, I'm bored of it a little bit. Yeah, I have other things I'm going to work on this week, and uh, none of them have to do with 13 seconds. Yeah. yeah. How about that? No. I, 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 yeah, what do you think of that? I think you're on the right path. Yeah. I don't know that I'm going to really bring it up. I, 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 did the did the film breakdown of it, talk to a bunch of people about it, it's just... These are different teams. These are the Chiefs are different from last year. The Bills are different from last year. So uh, that's why they're this new form of each of them. It's like I don't know. You get a you get an upgrade in a video game for your character, and and like it's like oh this this brand new skill that that you have that you didn't have last year, but maybe you don't have the same skill because you have to put that put that one skill you had away. Um, that these these two teams are it's going to be very fun and I, I you know be, it feels like it's a big game every time we're in Kansas City it's I awesome I mean I'll tell you what this Mahomes is something else <laughs> <laughs> yeah it'll be fun okay it'll be fun I mean what what else is there to say I know I know so I don't know how much well we've you've been on the post game pods before but we give out awards here sir. Oh, I was going to ask you before you started what nope, the awards are nope. so I can think about it's it. It's so much better on the fly. All right. So we give out five awards right, right, in this right. game. And oh. the first one we start with is the Dree Archer Award for the player who did not show up at all in this game. Doesn't have to be a Bills player. Doesn't have to be... Boogie Basham. Boogie. No stats. No stats. Do you want to know why? He, he played. He did play, but not much. Um, when it was still close, let's see, he had a total of 29 snaps. So it's going to seem like, oh, wow, Boogie played a lot. 
you look at he had no tackles he had no nothing he had i believe it was six snaps total um in the first half and let's see yeah he only had 10 total snaps through the first three quarters so mm. basically all of his all of his time was in garbage time however the steelers were throwing late in the game they were they mostly you lined you get a tackle that's true well they mostly lined him up um Inside a quarterback hit something. Yeah, no, that's right. But that's he didn't. Right. That's right. So yo, know, he's a he's a perfect uh, Dre Archer candidate. I'm gonna give it to. I don't know. Can I give it to Mike Tomlin? Yes. I. Well, it's your show. Sure. Mike Tomlin, not once, but twice, going for a field goal, down yes. by more than two scores. Yes. That is. Bad business. Yes. And, you know, I don't bring out snarky Twitter Joe much anymore, but it it made me get into some level of snark uh, on the Twitter because it's just bad, as football guys would say, it's bad process. What? It's, 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 it defies math, really. (laughs) Right. And so doing that, it's like, okay. It defies pride. Sure. It's like putting your tail between your yeah, legs. Like, and, let's just get out of here. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, then how come you're not running late in the game? Let's keep that clock going. Why are you throwing it? Oh, of course, you want Kenny Pickett to get some throws in, right? Mm-hmm. And, but, hey, how about this? How about having your rookie quarterback go for it on fourth down and mm-hmm. see if he can complete some passes and learn some stuff? I know. I know. It's It just – I never thought of Mike Tomlin in that way. And to see it happen where he's trying to kick a field goal – down 18, when was it? In the first half, and then trying to kick a field goal down 28 in the second half. What are we even doing here? Like, if Steelers fans had to be losing their minds, like, what in the actual F is going on out there? Why are they not? Because they were not terribly close, but they were pretty close to the end zone, all, all things considered, for the rest of the game. So, Mike Tomlin, you get the Dre Archer Award. You took the, day. You took the week off on this one. Um, all right, the next one is the... Vontae Davis award for the player that did not show up in the second half, which could also go to Tomlin, honestly. But what do you got? Mm. I know these these ones are tough. In blowout wins, they're very difficult. This is an old. This is an old. I've I've done this award before. Yeah, I know you have. Um, these are staples of the show. Well, how about uh, <laughs> <laughs> how about Najee Harris? Yeah. Two carries for three yards in the second half. Yep. And uh, let's see if he got a target. Also a Dre Archer. He had one target. Uh, He had a catch. He had a catch for nine yards. Mm. But uh, Najee Harris, uh, former former Bills draft pick, Najee Harris. uh, Former (laughs) any team that's wanted a running back draft pick, Najee Harris. Yeah. Yeah. Not living up to it. No. Um, the Steelers' offensive line is is horrible. Uh, so that, that was part of it. Yeah, the uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was a bad... What's bad, your pick, Joe? It was a bad look down there. Uh, my Vontae Davis award goes to the over. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. You should have hit. That's a good one. You should have hit in this one. That should be a bad beat, right? I mean, it should. I don't know. It's not as dramatic enough to go an entire. Well, you're going to have missed field goals. Could Scott Van Pelt do it? You have two missed field goals. You have. Um, 
Two missed field goals. The Quentin From Morris really three missed field goals if you want to count. Yeah, bass. The one. Quentin Morris fumble when it looked like he was in the end zone. Oh yes, that that would have put it over the over in itself yeah, because it was it was at forty one. This, this should be on bad beats then. That's what I'm saying. That's so, a good one. I wish I thought of that. Vontae Davis or to the over. You had that thing, man. Damn it, Joe. you had it. All right, what's next? Uh, the Matt Barkley Award for the player or thing that caught you by surprise out of nowhere. Oh Christ! <laughs> the thing that caught me out of surprise uh, caught me by surprise out of nowhere. I'm trying to get creative and think of something I during know. the game as opposed to something that I would find in the stat book. Uh, do you have a Do you have a guess for this already? I mean, I'll go with Isaiah Hodgins. Uh, I think it's the easy choice. It was he came into the game with only four offensive snaps lifetime. In a regular season game, it was in one call up late last year because the basically uh, a big chunk of the receiver room was out against New England due to COVID. Uh, so he was called up for that game, had four snaps, didn't have a catch. But this one, 13 snaps, had four catches. Good on him. Um, that's that's a that's a nice little job by him. And you know, a lot of it was garbage time, but he made some earlier catches. He worked in a little bit with with uh, the first team offense and Josh Allen when they needed him. Uh, are they going to need him moving forward? Probably not. Um, they're not going to. I don't think he'll have a huge role on game day when Kumaro and uh, Isaiah McKenzie have returned. But you know, that's that's a good thing to know that he can get out there and be able to contribute. So Matt Barkley award to Isaiah Hodgins. My uh, pick, uh, you spoke long enough for me to come up with one. And I tried it's to. for two different reasons. I'm going to say James Cook mm-hmm. because he scores his first NFL touchdown. It's also the first touchdown of the season that didn't involve Josh Allen. We're in week five, and every touchdown that the Bills scored this year was either a Josh Allen pass or a Josh Allen running it in himself. So James Cook, first NFL touchdown. And it's on a run because he's known for being the receiving back out of the backfield. So I'm kind of surprised. He does it from 24 yards out right after Josh Allen completes a pass to Stephon Diggs for 41 yards. He's in the game at the start of the fourth. And you know it's to break some passing record, right? Mm -hmm. It's to break the Bills. So I thought to myself, well, they're going to pass their entire way down here until they can't get in. Then they're going to kick the field goal. Sure enough, right after the 41-yard gain, they don't pass. They put Bobby Hart in as an eligible receiver for the extra blocker, and James Cook up the middle, 24 yards touchdown. Um, that's mine's. Mm-hmm. The next award is the Blaine Gabbert Award for Perseverance. Mm-hmm. Because, as we know, Blaine Gabbert is a persevering son of a gun. Um, whew. Perseverance. Well... I mean, you can go with Jordan Phillips for coming back into the game. Yeah, he probably sure. didn't have to do that if he didn't want to. Hamstring injury. Um, I don't. I don't like that as my guess, though. Uh, for, I'll, I'll, for, I'll, I'll. I'll get one. Go ahead. Um, I'm going to give it to Tyrell Dodson. Ah, I was thinking of that because early in the season, when the Bills were going to three linebacker formations, it was the rookie Terrell Bernard in the game but last week we saw like a a minor hint that maybe they were going to go with Dodson um in that situation moving forward because uh I think it was a goal line situation Dodson was out there with uh, Milano and Edmonds and so in this game with Edmonds out Dodson gets the start and this has been kind of a a long 
long path between those two guys. It was a competition throughout the summer. The Bills drafted Bernard to potentially even take over for Tremaine Edmonds uh, if if they choose not to resign him. The all indications would be okay. Uh, Ber- this is Bernard's job, and he just has to not lose it. And Dodson has put together a nice nice enough job to be able to start all game. Had a really nice game. Was flying all over the field against the run. I have to see what he did in the passing game uh, on the film. But, but yeah, it's great job by him. Blaine Gabbert would be proud of Tyrell Dodson. Yeah, I thought of that actually, and I mentioned him earlier in the in the podcast. Um, we can't have him, Tim. Too late. I I, I opened the door for you, you and you walked right in. Um, I guess my uh, perseverance award is going to go to maybe I'll go right back to James Cook for having a nice game. He's been battling it. Uh, you know, we, we talked about it all the time. You know, his first NFL touch is a fumble. Um, he seems to be third on the depth chart in terms of everything, in terms of even being the receiving back. Devin Singletary took over that role last week uh, in Baltimore. And here comes James Cook. Now, granted, garbage time, uh, but he did uh, have some action. And he scores a touchdown. He gets a taste of that end zone and uh, finishes with uh, four carries for the 31 yards. And, uh, again, uh, he seems to have been passed up as that receiving back because he didn't even have a target today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he... In fact, Singletary they, had only two. Yeah, uh, they don't... Unless it's a check-down situation, they're not, really, they're not really running screens all that often. But I think Singletary had, what, nine targets last week yeah. against Baltimore? A lot of it was check-down stuff. Right. And, like, throws to the flat because that's... Eh, I don't know. I don't know what the Steelers were doing today. I think they were just outmanned. They did... They were so shorthanded uh, in their secondary. There was no reason to check down. Yeah, Everybody true. was running free. That's true. Uh, and then finally, the Sean McDermott got to watch the tape award. Made famous, as you'll fondly remember, in Baltimore in 2018, week one, where after a Nathan Peterman <laughs> 5 for 18 for 24 yards and two interceptions uh, performance, McDermott, when asked about uh, Peterman's day famously said, I got to watch the tape to see how he did. Mm-hmm. Not much tape watching there. So got to watch the tape award to whom I, well, I mean, I'm not really sure how he did today. I'm going to have to see how jo- the tape on Josh Allen, <laughs> um, you know, 424 passing yards. Uh, we got to see if this guy's yards. got a future. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he seems the stats seem to say that he had a big day, but I don't know. I mean, there are probably some things to work on, probably left some plays on the field. Uh, yeah, I'm going to need to take a closer look at Josh Allen. I'm I'm going to give the Gotta Watch the Tape Award to uh, to myself. Here's why. So during the game, we have these people that, that sit in front of us. Mm-hmm. And when something <laughs> big happens from a Bills perspective, there are, there's like one or two that will like... And okay, so where we're sitting on, on the front row... If if the if the people in the row directly um, below us, like if they're standing, they can make eye contact with us. <laughs> you, you can't. You have to. Yes. And I'm I'm gonna add. I'm just gonna add to this. Sure. I'm gonna compound. Is that yes? After a big play, they like to turn and look in for validation yes. or like, hey, wasn't that great? Or what'd you think? And you can't make eye contact because it doesn't stop. It absolutely. And they right. sm- and they pound the glass. And it becomes really obnoxious. It's like they, it's like when if you're 
if a toddler does something that you don't want want them to, but it's funny and you laugh, yes. they're going to continue to do Negative it. Negative reinforcement. Right. So today I've been, I've had an undefeated record about not making eye contact. <laughs> today, I know exactly who you're talking about. Today too. it freaking happened. Where yeah. I don't, I think it was the Gabe Davis 62 yarder. All of a sudden, it was just one. Right in front of one slap of the glass, ah. right in front of me, and I looked up, made direct eye contact. Contact. I'm like, oh dear God, what have I done? Yeah. So I got to watch the film on myself to see yes. where I went wrong, what I was doing at the time. Maybe I was charting a snap you too long. You do have one fan in particular who really is is uh, thirsty for that uh, <sighs> engagement. It was, it was regrettable. Uh. <laughs> so I got to watch the tape on myself to to see what the hell went wrong. <laughs> That's a that's a bad job by me. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Uh, so I think I think that's gonna do it. Uh, I usually end the show asking Mr. Fairburn if he has any sage words of advice for the listeners. So I will bestow these honors to you. Zero. Nothing. Okay. Zero. No advice. Um, have fun watching the Chiefs. Uh, I guess this is my advice. My advice is to enjoy the Chiefs. Don't necessarily hate the Chiefs. The Chiefs probably for the Bills are the new Patriots. The Patriots just aren't as relevant as they used to be, so mm-hmm. the hatred kind of shifts. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady's out of the out of the conference, uh, so you don't have to worry about him much anymore. Um, Patrick Mahomes takes all that ire, but enjoy and respect uh, and be entertained by the Chiefs. That's part of the reason why this rivalry is so much fun. Yes, of course, root for them to lose for uh, against the Raiders tomorrow. Uh, but uh, for those out there who maybe get really worked up about it, actually stop and, and enjoy the, a beautiful football team mm-hmm. uh, for what it is. And then when you play this team, when your team, when your beloved Bills play the Chiefs next Sunday – you can still uh, enjoy defeating them all the more because it is a great football team. Mm-hmm. Don't right. hate them just because they're really good or fi- have a color. It's, it's, they're, they're, they do fun shit. Yeah, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be a really fun game. So I think that is that is that's what I asked for. Sage. Have a couple of beers and watch the game, and then just enjoy the Chiefs. Sage. Learn learn about the Chiefs. Absorb some Chiefs. Yeah, it, and fi- and be more knowledgeable when you sit down and watch the Chiefs next Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, and full Monday night to, to watch it. Get, oh, get how a, about this? Get a full day to recover. More advice. Ooh. Don't get started like you normally do on Sunday game days. This is a 4 o'clock kick. Let mm-hmm. me remind you. Mm-hmm. if you I Make sure you shift your routine. Go ahead and go to Mass. Uh, go to church. Uh, do something to preoccupy your late morning to stall your your day a little bit. You don't want to be seeing two Josh Allens <laughs> when you flip on your television uh, at 4 o'clock. That's fair. That's Make sure fair. that you are uh, coherent. Mm-hmm. Yes. The the late games are they're fun because they're they feel like primetime games because they're, there's not a lot of them, but they're really not. So the I, night games, you know, it's at night. Yeah. So there's a but when it's the afternoon, you might slip up and actually get started. Sneaks like, up oh, on you. Shit, man! Yeah. I I shouldn't have, yeah. I shouldn't be a twelve pack deep at at two thirty here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they uh, uh, it'll be another nationally televised game for the Bills. Um, I think the only one that really hasn't been the premier game so far this year was what the. Uh, the Dolphins game, and that wound up being one of their best of the season. So, so yeah, that uh, 
Yeah, keep keep your wits about you on uh, on Sunday. In keep the your head on a swivel. Mm-hmm. All right, um, I think that'll do it. Tim Graham, thanks for jumping on the the pod. Let's let's do it again next week. How about I, that? I'm I'll be around. I'll yeah. be in the in the in the Arrowhead Stadium press box and ready to cavort. It, it will be a good time. The um, the Bills and Chiefs are. It's going to be a very fun matchup, but we'll get more into that as the week goes along. Um, I I have to catch up uh, with with our guy Nate Taylor down in Kansas City. He he, um, friend of the show. He's he's always great trying to figure out what the what the what the hell is going on with the Chiefs at that point in time. Um, really uh, really enjoy his insight. We'll get we'll get him on uh, during the week for the uh, the Bills Chiefs matchup and. And then uh, try and see where these two teams stack up against one another in week six of the season, which, as we found out last year, is a far cry from what it is in the playoffs, but fun nonetheless. So, for Tim Graham, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this post-game edition of the Buffalo Beat, and we will talk to you next time. See you then.